0: Sales and marketing can be such an overwhelming topic. Everybody has to do sales and marketing. It can be consuming for the social channels, for the strategy, for the sheer time that it takes to get your head around what you should be doing. We're joined by Al Tepper of Tepfu and he says We should be doing less for more. And it's all about how you go about doing that. What's new, Wendy Wu? Well, I've been coaching around a dozen call centre agents and one of the key barriers for them to dial out and reach customers was in their introduction. Whilst Recording calls for GDPR, training and monitoring purposes has been able to help me coach them and feedback on the call. It's also really important that you lead with the reason for the call first, gain the customer's attention, and then casually mention it as part of the framework for the call. Their call rate and success to get through. Not surprisingly, has gone through the roof. What's new this week, Wendy Woo? Well, those call centre agents that I mentioned and their introduction have moved on to the follow up process. And of course, whilst having a process and a framework to follow, the chances are that when you're following up, that key hot prospect, you're still going to struggle to reach them the first time you attempt it. So a key message from me to anybody that is doing those follow-ups is to keep going, keep trying, because the resilience that you will show will be in the reward when you do get hold of them. So let's get Al to tell us more about how we can be making conversations about lazy marketing count. Al Tepper, 20 odd years experience in, in marketing in your field, owner of tepfoo Tell us a little bit more about how you help us be lazy at marketing. I love that.
1: Yes, me too. There's a great story about where it came from as well. Well, fundamentally, we're all business owners and we're all busy and we're all specialists in what we do and we're crap at everything else. That's the bottom line. And if you disagree with me, you're wrong because we can't, you can't be good at everything. It's not possible. It's just not possible. And getting out my own way has been my single biggest challenge over the last five, six years of business. So what Ted Fu does is bring the marketing piece. Now, what we don't do currently is press buttons. I'm not interested in... Uh, the operational side as much as I am interested in the strategic side because operations without strategy is a bit like getting in a car and randomly asking your sat nav to take you somewhere. You might think you know (laughs) where you want to go, but you probably don't, and the sat nav will take you there. The flip side of that with strategy is you get in the car, you know exactly where you want to go, you tell the sat nav to take you there, it plots out the best route, and then you execute the route.
0: Yeah, and you, you can even bit, put pit got... stops in so that you yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah yeah you can build in time, you can build in stopovers because it's proactive as opposed to being reactive. That's so what the philosophy of lazy marketing is all about: helping people do less and get more. And the reality is I that works that. all the time, mm. absolutely, because most people subscribe to the school of thought of this is best illustrated from a bumper sticker I once saw in America in the nineties. And it said, look busy, Jesus is coming. In business, what we do is we're like, right, business is good, but it could be better, get busier. We must work harder. That's It's going wrong because we're not working hard enough. And the reality is that's not true. No, it's exactly. about working smart, not hard, right? Well, you know, there's efficient things you can do. There's automation. There's outsourcing. There's outtasking. You can employ people. There's so many ways you can do stuff. But the problem is... When a small business starts, let's look at who it started by. It started by an entrepreneur and or somebody who needs to make some money. They've lost their job or they've left their job. They want to go out on their own. They might not be that entrepreneurial, but they definitely want to make their own living. And so they're sick of being told what to do. And everyone that told them what to do didn't know what they were doing. And so they know how to do it better. And so they now build something and they don't let go of anything. Because the way they build it is by not letting go of it. Because um, they don't trust anybody after. else. Because correct, that's they what don't have happened to do have before. And they know how to do it best. Why do they? Need, I don't need anybody else. I'll do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they build the business by through control. In the early stages of a business, you build it through control because you can control it because it's small and it, sometimes it's nascent. It's not even born yet, and you can control. But the biggest single reason why small businesses fail to turn into medium businesses. Is because entrepreneurs failed to let go. No. so what happens is it falls apart around them because they can't do everything and they get so busy, things fall apart. So lazy marketing, when you think about it from a marketing context, what it does is it says, imagine if we could make you not just a business leader, but a better marketing leader. Because you're already a marketing leader. If you're the CEO of a small startup and you've got five staff, unless you've got a marketing director in the business, Maybe you've got a marketing manager or even a marketing executive with two years' experience out of university. They would be the marketing leader, but most startups don't start up with a marketing function. Mm. And so, therefore, the MD is probably the, the marketing leader, but they don't know anything about marketing. And it could be a 50-strong law firm where the senior partner is in charge of marketing, but they don't know anything about marketing. They They got the gig. They pulled the short straw because back in the 70s, somebody had a picture of them. Uh, at Woodstock in a tie-dye t-shirt. Therefore, they're the creative hippie. Give so, them the market. Yeah,
0: it sort of falls under the press and communications, really, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Fre- just like- press, comms, marketing, cre- anything creative, design, art, anyone with any of those backgrounds, if you're a senior partner in a law firm, you're going to get lumbered with the um, marketing bridge. But they don't know how to do anything. And so someone has to come along. Before agencies pile in and relieve them of their budgets and start delivering to one degree or another or not, because agencies can, one of the options of employing an agency is nothing happens, obviously. Before that happens, let's accept that right now you don't have a strategy. So when you go out to an agency straight away, what you're going to do is you're going to let them tell you what the strategy is. Is it possible they've got a vested interest in telling you what the strategy is to make it suit what they offer? possible Mm -hmm. if it's an seo agency are they going to tell you that seo is irrelevant if they're a facebook ad agency are they going to tell you actually don't need facebook ads now some agencies are ethical and would say actually we're not right for you you need to go here there's a lot of agencies that will just take the money and do their best but what happens if you could have a strategy created by you internally well then there's no bias there's no risk is there because it's your strategy not been built by anyone with a vested interest and the only vested interest i have is in your strategy working because then you're going to tell everyone i'm amazing hooray and i get more customers it's brilliant and it works it totally works yeah. so lazy marketing means let's turn business leaders into marketing leaders let's help them do less and get more let's help them have control over their marketing so that they can outsource it and still maintain control of it and that's effectively what we're doing that's what totally does
0: what got you into the strategy side of things then al
1: well i started in 1998 as a marketing assistant and in a publishing company and i was constantly aware that my boss was const- my boss was a marketing manager and they were constantly fighting fires and one thing i learned in the first 5 years if i learned nothing else was this no matter what plan you have in business especially in marketing, as a famous general once said, the, f- the best plan doesn't last longer than the first five minutes of any battle. So one of the biggest challenges in marketing in a small business was fundamentally, we've got a plan, but every 10 minutes, the MD is going to come out of the office with another brilliant idea and tell us to stop doing everything and to focus on this. And so what happens is the marketing manager says, no, we can't do that. We've got to do this because that's the plan. And the MD says, no, we've got to do that. And the the plan gets overruled and thrown out. And so then the marketing team are just bouncing around, reacting to whatever the MD wants. And I would look to that and I thought, that's really silly, inefficient way of doing this. Why wouldn't we have a plan? And then I started to realize that we didn't have a plan because actually there was no marketing strategy beyond how are we going to leverage a channel to reach an audience. That's not marketing strategy, that's a marketing plan. And I realized that if we had a strategy, if we could be clever about this, if we could do something different that none of our competitors do, if we could use messaging cleverly to get across our message in a way that communicated what we're about and out the competition, wouldn't the marketing plan be more effective and easier? Yes. Tested it. And 23 years later, here I am. And the result is I have countless clients who within days, if not weeks of doing stuff, are seeing the fruits of their labor. No big risks on on spending lots of money on lots of channels. They don't have to do anything that isn't organic. All of my strategies start off organic. Because if you can get organic working for your business, that's when you accelerate it with paid spend. Now, sometimes that's not true. Sometimes if you're a startup and you've got to hit the market really hard and you've got a million quid in the bank, sure, Go nuts, spend loads of money on Facebook ads and whatever other page mechanism you want, pay-per-click, whatever. But most small businesses aren't that. They can't afford
0: is that. that. It's that famous phrase of, well, it depends, doesn't it? Because... Yeah. It, and and the decision to, to spend has got to be considered. So you need to understand all of the facts and ramifications of what it is that you're going to be doing. So I imagine that you have some... Interesting conversations with clients when yep. they have an expectation themselves that they formulated, yep. and you have to unpick that. How does that affect what you do, Al?
1: Brilliant, because I'm a very nice, kind human, and I put kindness and love first. I have a rose quartz heart next to my desk to remind me all the time to choose love because love wins. And I just don't. I'm just honest with people. I had a marketing agency ask me to help them. Uh, actually, they're a branding agency. And they asked me to help them. And when they approached me, they said, I need 20 people in my funnel a month. I need an ASAP. They gave me all these stats and they told me where they want their business to be. And I said, that's all great. But that's all made up. You've got a piece of paper and you said, this is what you want. What's reality today? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, where are you against those numbers today? And they said, nowhere. And I said, right. And what's the size of your email list? We don't have one. And what are you doing on social? We're not doing anything. And I said, well, why are you deciding to go from nobody's ever heard of me to Olympic athlete in a month? And do you think that's realistic? No. Okay, so then we get to the point where they accept they don't know what they're doing and they say, right, what is realistic now? Thank you. Now you're starting to leverage what I know. So what's realistic is we're going to go through this process. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And the end result, they push back about three or four times during the process. I don't see how this is relevant. I don't get this. And at the end, when everything comes into full view, I get a message from them saying, oh, my God, you're a genius. Thank you very much. I don't think I'm a genius. I just think for me, it's common sense. I'm just following a process. And the reality is I can only work with people who are coaching. I can't work with people who know more about marketing than me. Because if they know more about marketing than me, first of but all, why do yeah. you need me? And secondly, you're just mm-hmm. going to disagree with everything I say. And I've been doing this an awful lot. So yeah. why don't we say, and I've said this to me, why don't we save ourselves I I the hassle? You're good at marketing, go for it for six months. I see it. Let's check in in six months. No stress. I'm not just going to sell stuff to people. You know, there's lots of agencies who would, but I'm, I'd rather walk away. And invariably, what happens is six months later, about four months later, I get another message saying, I've had this from the founder. Of one of the uk's leading seo agencies who i did a sort of piece of work for they went away tried it on their own went away tried it on their own and i got a message from the one linkedin from the ceo saying i'll give in all roads to lead back to our and <laughs> then we did the engagement and, and we go and I, i'm not making it up to make money i'm making i'm not making it up at all i'm saying it because it's true so i go into every conversation with just truth and kindness and you can't really go wrong
0: um, going back to what you were saying about when entrepreneurs start a business and they are the marketing, often yeah. they concentrate on the sales, don't they? And I've had this conversation yeah, cool. with many guests before, you know, that it's umbrellaed and it's sales and marketing. And I was talking with Vicky O'Carroll about it and numerous guests. And it was kind of like, actually the marketing comes first because that's what helps the sales. So it should be marketing and sales. And that's a, a vital piece of the puzzle that, that gets left behind sometimes, isn't it?
1: And it's understandable. It's because marketing is, is long-term and sales is short-term. And so when you're an MD and you're focused on bringing in money because you've got to pay your bills, marketing seems like it's going to take too long. Because if you don't know how to do it and you don't know how to move quickly, yeah, it will take long. Of course it would. If I tried to engineer a plane, it would take me forever. Whereas if I just went to an engineering company and I had a build plane, it would couple of weeks. They've got the blueprints already. The challenge is sales does come after marketing, not just in the dictionary, but in reality. And most good sales leaders will accept that. Most great salespeople I've spoken to have said, absolutely. I don't want to do marketing's job. And marketing's job is to get people to salespeople so they can close them. Now it needs to get relevant people, qualified people. But People live under the illusion they don't need to do marketing. They can just do sales. And then they say to a salesperson, go and find your own leads. Well, that's marketing. Or take this phone book and start calling everyone. Well, that's marketing. The bottom line is, what it comes down to is you're either doing your own marketing or you're doing your competitor's marketing. There is not a situation in your business where you're not doing marketing. You are doing marketing for someone. The question is who.
0: It's an interesting point that you make there, really, Al, because... The couple of days' work that I did recently, the director was calling the internal outbound team, his telesales. And I had to say, well, therein lies some of your problem is that they're not sales. They're marketing. They're the people that are going to get them in front of your sales guys. They're looking to introduce and qualify yeah that's basically what they they're doing. So I had to sort of say you know telesales is when you've got a product and you're looking after a customer that's customer service it's account management that's telesales. Tele- yeah, telesales when you're is- selling on the
1: phone isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, telesales is when you're selling on the phone. Give me your credit card details and we'll get that dispatched. That yeah. to me would be telesales. Order um, completion. Yeah, absolutely. I always ask this question especially when I'm in front of a room of people i say to them, right, who's in business? So everyone puts their hands up. I'd say, right, who's in sales? Everyone puts their hands up. i say, who's in marketing? 40% of the people will put their hands up. Of course, That's it's a trick question. Yeah. Who isn't in marketing? Yeah. We're all in marketing. The most boring person in your organization doing the most boring work is in marketing, whether they are in any department, whatever you think, the, your caretakers in marketing I'm not saying they're boring and I'm not saying it's boring work. It would be to me because I hate mopping stuff. But your caretakers in marketing because when your client's walking around your office, if your office looks crap or if the caretaker's there and sticks stinks of booze or if the caretaker's there at reception chatting rubbish to the receptionist and distracting them from dealing with the client, everyone's in marketing. Everything you do is in marketing. Every piece of paper you send out, everywhere your brand appears, it's all marketing. Yeah, in visions and perceptions. got to own that. I've got to ask then, Al,
0: do you ever make calls yourself for your business?
1: If I'm honest, I I haven't made a call outbound probably since 2016. Since I started and, and worked on my initial core of people that I had known in business and was talking to them about moving out and doing my own thing. That doesn't mean I don't value it. I do. I'm just, the reality is... And this is, there's no way to say this without sounding like an arrogant arse, but I'm really good at what I do. I don't need to. I'm just at that place where I've got so much organic coming in all the time.
0: It, I, I raised the question for a really good point, Al, because entrepreneurs, and I know this, mm. they need the skills, but don't want oh, to yeah. admit that they need them. Okay? Yeah, so they definitely. don't do it. But they want to be in a position where they have got returning customers yeah, and absolutely. referrals and inbound inquiries. So it's kind of fundamental to getting that ball rolling, isn't it?
1: That we oh, No, there's no Yeah, there's no way. Certainly if you're a starting business in year 1, I'm the only person that's me. So maybe I'm an exception, but 99.9% of businesses, especially in year 1, but the reality is not everyone's in the same industry as me. Not everyone's got the same mouthpiece as me. I'm very shameless and extrovert. I'm very able to speak easily. I speak at a lot of events. Not everyone has the same personality as me. So you're not going to have the same marketing and it's not going to have the same impact. For most people, they, if you ask them that question, they are doing outbound. Of course they are. I'm an exception, not the rule. And, and when I see it as a marketing person, and I see them doing outbound calls and I listen to what they're saying, and it's proper facepalm because it's just damaging. And they don't see it and they won't work with other people because, of course, they know their business best and they don't they have, tr- they have trust issues. when they have massive trust issues. Yeah. Entrepreneurs have the most trust issues in the world because <laughs> it's about money and they're worried about people nicking it, right?
0: The thing is, I mean, it's personal, isn't nothing. it? Yeah. If your yeah business, it really it's your business, it's personal. Yeah. It's not the same yeah. as taking the money out of the cash machine. That the employer has put in there for you. That's a no. face, it can be faceless, can't it? Being an employee. But when it's your Absolutely. business, it's so personal. But yeah. I think it, it it's right. I mean, this is kind of the message that I'm looking to encourage, really, talking to guests like yourself, Al, is that the conversations that you have outbound and how you set yourself up from that cold starting point translates to being in the room with strangers networking it translates yeah. when you strike up a, a conversation out of the blue a serendipitous moment at the bus stop for example yeah it's yeah. if you don't have those fundamental skills then you how do you translate that what you say into what you say online and through your marketing
1: and most companies can't when they don't they have to get help and If you're a sales organization, if you're a sales load organization in the sense that let's say you're a a double glazing business or a software company or even a restaurant, almost every business could have more customers, but they don't have enough people and they don't have enough marketing. So then if you've got a list or if you've got a defined target, why wouldn't you be speaking to them? Now, you'd be speaking to them on email. You'd be speaking to them on social. Why wouldn't someone be picking up the phone and talking to people? Not, hi, would you like to buy our stuff? But relationship building, telemarketing. Hi, you're an MD. We think we're relevant to you. Are we correct? No, no problem. We'll go away. Qualified out. Lovely. Qualified. I always say to people, chasing no's is way more valuable than chasing yeses. And yet we all focus on chasing yeses. But if you just chase the no's and get rid of the no's, what you're left with is yeses. And that's a much easier way to get to yeses. Because then you're not hassling the yeses, you're hassling the no in a sense. You're speaking to the no, qualifying them out, great, let them go. Someone once said to me, the easier you make it for people to leave, the more valuable it is when they stay. So, radical call strategies around almost forcing the opt out. I just wanted to call and check that our event on this date wasn't of interest to you. Uh, the MD thought it might be, I'm not sure because you haven't responded to anything else in the past. I'm just checking that event isn't of interest to you. Oh, it is oh. or it isn't great confirmed yeah. gone it's not rocket science and people buy from people so the human voice is still the most powerful marketing channel people have by miles
0: let me tell you about my power up program an hour and a half with me and accountability later it's by no means ever going to fix everything but what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on it's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block program just book a chin wag let's have a natter and let's see how i can help you and and interestingly, 2022 is seeing a lot more audio coming through on all platforms, all social media platforms now, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's gonna...
1: Clubhouse raised the bar. Clubhouse, I don't think, will survive. I mean, it's never going to be much bigger than it is today, I don't think. But if you look at the impact on Facebook, creating spaces, if you look at Twitter, I think they've got spaces too. So audio has a place because some people prefer audio. Some people are audio first, auditory. You know, we're talking right now, I'm listening, I could look away and I could still have a conversation with you by not paying attention visually, but I can still hear everything you say. Mm. And and I think it's very underrated, isn't it? I think the problem with the industry, and I think you hit this right at the start, is people don't understand the difference between telesales and telemarketing. So they think anything to do with the phone is going to be salesy and aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> not <Yeah>. at all. <laughs> Relationship building isn't aggressive. You can't be aggressive but you know if you've got 500 customers on your books and there's 50 staff you can't speak the especially the md the md cannot speak to 500 people a year it's not going to happen you're going to miss someone so why wouldn't you have a check process for some kind of call outbound calling even if it's just checking hi is al here from tech food it's your birthday today john Is in meetings all day, but he asked me specifically to call you and wish you a happy birthday on behalf of the team here. Are you doing anything nice? What's your favorite cake? Great. We know what the favorite cake is. Put that in the CRM. What you got a Star Wars, you're into Star Wars. Brilliant. We'll put that. It's just relationship building, isn't it? Why don't people do that? We do it on LinkedIn. When someone's birthday, we send them a message. On Facebook, we send them a message.
0: This is why I love LinkedIn so much, is that LinkedIn has actually been purposely built with psychology behind it with the mm. human interaction behind it, uh, yeah. to encourage that. And that's how it's been developed. So when you get that notification to say it's somebody's birthday, send yeah. a happy birthday. Why you know, wouldn't you? Exactly. And when people say, oh, I hate it when I get like 200 messages saying happy birthday, well, you grumpy git? Yeah. Why would yeah. you not want? You don't have to reply to everybody.
1: Well, what's the alternative? The alternative is no messages. So how would that make you feel? I think people... Again, this comes back to what we take for granted. You know, people forget how lucky they are. I once had a photography client. They were a, a, a sort of a photo studio, and they really struggled to position the value of photography. And I understand why, because it's expensive at the start, and it's not expensive, but you're going to lay out some money for some images.
0: Yeah, the return and, of the and investment up- can be a little bit invisible, can't it?
1: Right. So I came up with a strapline for them that's, that was basically people don't value photographs until that's all that's left then they value photographs when your grand's passed away and all you've got are the photos how much of those photos worth? they're the first thing you'd rescue in the fire right yeah you know so the reality is it's about messaging it's all about strategy and messaging and that photographer took that away and started talking about that and you're not paying for them today i mean i've got a picture on my wall here that i bought when my son was born from some company on the high street they did the old free photo shoot, and then they get you with the photos because the photos are amazing. I've got this photo there. I mean, this photo is 16 years like This picture is 16 years old. And we spent a fortune at the time. We we're like, oh, my God, we can't spend this, but we have to. Yeah. Now, how glad am I that I've got this picture? Oh, my yeah, God. it's priceless. It's like my son's a baby. Yeah. Uh, I mean, something happened, that I can't even replicate it. So what's it worth to me now? Way more than what I paid.
0: Uh, that's the magic of marketing, I think, when you can key into the emotions of people, that you don't leave regret on the table. Absolutely. But it's the best decision to make. Even if it is more than you want to spend, it doesn't matter. It's Don't regret it later.
1: And that's when marketing and sales works beautifully, doesn't it? When a consumer, when a customer says to you afterwards, thanks for pushing me on that, that was the right decision. Yeah. Thanks for keeping on at me. We got there in the end and I needed to get there. The real art, you know, and Steve Jobs talked about this, the real art of marketing isn't even in giving people what they want. In fact, the real art of business, sales, and marketing is in knowing what people want when they don't know what they want. Really understanding your customer and knowing. So I know things about marketing. And I know if someone's here and they want to get to here, they're going to have to go through these stages. I know that fact in my head. And so I just try and tell people that. And it's the same thing. I don't want anybody to feel pushed into anything. I've walked away from plenty of prospects because I can feel I would have to push them to do it. I don't want to be pushy. I want them to get there and understand it. It's hard enough doing best. that at home with the family, isn't it? Oh, well, getting them to do stuff. Well, I better be careful because I may be one of the guilty parties. Here, so <laughs> I, I, I shall have to be cautious in choosing my words judiciously. But, you know, ultimately, we everyone wants to buy, no one wants to be sold to and so if you're the company that helps your prospects buy most frictionlessly, most effortlessly, without negative emotions, my Angelou said, people at your funeral, people won't talk about what you said and they won't talk about what you did. They'll talk about how you made them feel. Marketing a business is all about the feels. It's all about how you make people feel. You know, if you walk into a shop and they're on you, they pounce and they're salesy, you ain't going back. If you walk in they say hi here if you need me and they carry on doing what they're doing oh lovely or if they've got a little tree or or, it's about how you make people feel so with calls wendy i'm sure you would agree that those calls and you've already pointed this out you can't be angry aggressive needy urgent demanding stressed presumptuous you know but you wouldn't do that at a dinner party either you know if you were sat no absolutely be pleasant
0: it's kind of like the LinkedIn invitation to connect, isn't it? Or going into a networking room with your business cards in your pocket. You're not going to just walk up to somebody and go, "Hi, here's my business card. Do you want to buy this stuff?" Yeah,
1: no. Yeah. <laughs> and well, not if you want to get invited back, anyway. No,
0: exactly. You know, so you're going to get lots of no's, then, aren't you? Uh, and a few choice yeah. words, quite possibly. Probably, but for me, it's about reframing the positioning. And often the emphasis is on how many appointments we've got to make, how many quotes we've got to create. So they've got that target. That's sort of going back to what you were saying, they wanted to get to here. They wanted 20 inbound leads, you know. So they're going out for them. And I'm going, well, it really doesn't matter how many appointments you need, because if your approach is going to be all about how brilliant your business is. And we, if you're going to go weeing on them, we are this brilliant. And our customers say we're wonderful because...
1: Right? we,
0: The person at the other end of the phone that you're trying to influence is going, so
1: what? Why is he talking to me about him? Yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> When's this going to be about me? I mean, I, and I've seen that done. I've seen calls done wrong where... They're just barking at you down the phone and it's like, you guys are nuts. Does this work? Does it work? And they always they always get defensive. They're, yeah, it works really well. Sure <laughs> very, enough. very low percentages. But when you I've definitely got your customer in. No, absolutely. If, if your customers are responding to this, yeah, I'm sorry,
0: Imag- imagine imagine the, the success you could have
1: if you just did it a bit more human. Yeah. You know, you're trying too hard. Imagine if you could try less hard and get more. I mean, what a crazy idea
0: lazy telemarketing i love
1: it lazy telemarketing there you go you heard it here first people (laughs) we did But, but but i suspect you're already practicing lazy telemarketing i suspect that your peeps will be very well trained to be relationship drivers as opposed to hunters and you know what sometimes hunting is fine too in a certain context if you've got an event next week you can close the sales cycle down and say look I'm not going to waste a lot of your time, Hi, John. Thanks for taking the call big c f o event next week with Deloitte or whatever. They've asked me to make sure you're on the list. Are you free on Tuesday or not? You know sometimes you can shortcut and get to the point, yeah. and it's still not being hunty. No, you know, you're still not being aggressive about it. I think people value people who get to the point, actually, especially business owners. No, I think't. Right.
0: I hear this sort of hunter farmer sort of analogy, yeah. and I always say I fish. So I have my spear and I look in the pond and it's a big pond. And sometimes it could be a small pond, but you know Mm. which fish it is that you want. So you have, you calculated. And I got asked the question, how do you stay upbeat when you have 50 calls to make? Right. Well, actually, you're
1: not going to speak to 50 people. No. That you you, you want to get 50 effective calls. That'd be impressive.
0: Absolutely. You're going to speak to probably 48 voicemails. So, you know, you have to learn to deal with the machine.
1: No, definitely. I think that's a skill in business. You've got to be undefeatable, you've got to be ever hopeful, and you've got to be focused on not taking anything personally, especially. So, I mean, I used to work in publishing. And, you know, there are often ad sales teams and in events, there were delegate acquisition teams. And they're just burning through lists. I mean, just pillaging lists. And we've got them to shift that round because those people would never speak to that organization ever again. Mm. And I think one of the challenges in your world, especially when it's in-house and then they're outsourcing it, is culturally they're used to... Gas! sort of crack some skulls and beat, you know, let's go and get them. And if your clients, if your prospects heard, if prospects heard what salespeople and marketing people say about them in the business, so many companies would be out of business. You know, a long time ago when I was going up, what was his name? Uh, Ratner. Do you remember Gerald Ratner, Mm -hmm. the jeweler? He was famously quoted saying, you know, we sell rubbish jewelry and it killed his business. But I can't tell you how many organizations I've been in where they are as misguided about the customer, about the value they provide. They don't understand themselves. So, what chance have they got in communicating anything about themselves to the customer? And that's why working with specialists is vital because, you know, I know marketing and you've got the telly end of it, right? Anything to do with a phone, why would I do that myself? I don't have the systems, I don't have the process. I haven't. How many calls have you made in your life, Wendy? I think the last I um, looked
0: was about one and a half million.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. So having done it one and a half million times, I'm pretty confident you'll know more about it than me. At the very least, why wouldn't I pay you for some strategic consultancy to help me set up an d- internal? If I want to keep it internal, why would I just wing it myself and and sort of, yeah, let's do it that way? Yeah. Even if they're not going to use you to do it, why wouldn't they get the consultancy from you to set it up right? It was a conversation I had with Brad Sugars where he
0: said, they've given up because they've made five calls. It doesn't work. (laughs) Well, 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 it won't because it's likely that you didn't actually speak to anybody either. Translating that to to your world, Al, is about getting people to shift from networks and perhaps audiences and creating your own audience and bringing that data internally so that you can be having the right conversation through those different channels. That's kind of how I see the positioning and it's then about identifying which is the best priority because you don't have to be the best at all of them. It's like seeing all the different marketing channels a little bit like all the different tasks within a business. You're not going to be brilliant at them all. You
1: can't be good at everything. It's not possible. And it took me three years to get that through my thick skull, actually, because I was guilty of it as well. Uh, I've outsourced my marketing myself Mm. to someone in the business who's now in charge of it because I became the bottleneck. Not because I don't know about marketing, but because I'm too busy growing a business and doing other... I'm too busy coaching and consulting 99% of the time. But I couldn't own my own brief anymore. You have to be very humble in business. You have to really be very emotionally together in the sense of you can't take things personally. You know, you can't. You just can't. You have to make the best decision to achieve your objectives. And most of the time that's involving other people. You can't do it on your own. It's, on, it's, on it's own. important,
0: isn't it, to say... That best decision can be changed and altered and guided in a, in a new direction when it's not the best decision anymore. But you've got to make the best decision at some point, haven't you, to be able to make some form of progress, to take some action on something.
1: Yeah, it has to result in action. People always say they're busy, always say they're busy. Tell me about the last five meetings you've had. What was the agenda? How long did it last? And what was the outcome? But you can't remember. Oh, it was a really good coffee talking about your holidays. And you think you're busy. You're wasting time. And we enable that. We do that an awful lot because we want to get busy. We want to feel busy because remember that bumper sticker at the beginning, whether it's Jesus or your boss or whoever, whoever's watching and is going to critique you. And even if you're your own boss, your family's watching because they want to go on a nicer holiday. So there's always someone watching. And so therefore, we make ourselves busy. And I've discovered recently, especially people pleasers do this. We make ourselves, and I'm a recovering people pleaser, by the way. We make ourselves busy because that's the way we know we're doing things that are going to generate positive rewards for us. It's actually what I've discovered recently is that people pleasing is a mild form of narcissism. It's very passive. We're all in puppy training. Yeah. Well, you're trying to influence how people think about you. And so in business, we try and get busy because if everyone thinks I'm busy, then surely I'll be more successful, but everyone will be more sympathetic because I'm really busy. Wow. Get, you need therapy. It's everyone bonkers, needs, therapy. Isn't everyone it? needs way more therapy than they're getting. Definitely. It's bunkers. So true. Yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you about my power up program an hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block programme. Just book a chin wag. Let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. Well, Alec, I talk to you about marketing all day long, but, you know, we need to uh, stay on track because we're busy, yeah. aren't we? And We, we are. <laughs> so it comes to the point where I need to ask you about that pivotal conversation that you can recall that created a turning point and why
1: it did. I've thought about this a lot. There's quite a few it's hard to know which one to focus on. It could be the one where a colleague told me not to name my business Tepfu. It could be the one where a colleague reminded me to be humble. It could be the one where somebody for the first time in my life told me to get out of my own way. But actually, the more and more I think about it, the pivotal moment was... When my mum ran a business, my mum was a housewife. And of course, back in the 80s, housewives had no value. Of course, now they're starting to be perceived as having slightly more value, but they're still not equal to those lucky chaps that go out to work every day, right? So she was a housewife and dad ran a business. And mum was a very passionate, engaged, wonderful human being. She's just there, actually. I keep them near to me. There's my mum. Hi, mum. She's not here anymore, so I keep their photos close. Yeah, yeah, I've got to say. What did I say earlier? When they go on, the only thing that matters is the photography. She said to my dad, I'd like to set up a business. Will you help me fund it? And he, as a loving husband that he was, said, yeah, of course I will. And so they set about doing this. Now, he probably thought it was going to fail, and she probably thought it was going to fail, but she thought, I've got to give it a go, because if I can do this, I can prove that I have more value. So she opened up a shop. And a couple of years in, they died. And my mum was really devastated. I remember at the time she was upset. She felt unloved. She she felt unseen. She felt unheard. She felt unvalued. She felt invisible. And that really affected me. That was the first time in my life where I thought it's not fair that some people get what they want and deserve and some people don't. And on analysis, what I realized was, they did zero marketing. They just popped up a shop on the high street and thought, right, we'll put it in Yellow Pages and that's it. In reality, of course, what happened was she died, her business died from being a well-kept secret. Honestly, raise your hands if you think you're a bit of a well-kept secret. And I suspect most of your hands are going up because most people are well-kept secrets. And what do I mean by a well-kept secret? You deserve more business. You're not getting anybody. You don't understand why. It's not fair. You're really good at what you do. You're a good person. There's a million reasons why. Just not enough people know about you. It's not fair. So you're a kept secret. And that really impacted on me. I knew I was always going to end up in technology and helping people. I'd done a, uh, a careers attitude test when I was about 11. And they said to me, you're going to end up using technology to help people. So I knew I was going to do something cool, something interesting to me, helping people using tech. What happened with mum, I remember thinking at the time, if ever I run a business, I have to make sure that doesn't happen. That lesson really sunk in. And I think that's where, that's, that's my why now. I just don't want anyone else to feel that way. If you've left work, started a business on your own, taken that risk, put your family at risk, put your family home at risk, put everything on the line, I really don't want you to have to go back and drive a cubicle mm-hmm. because it's got to be the most soul-destroying feeling in the world to try and do it on your own and fail and have to go back to crawl back possibly to the last boss who you probably gave the finger to on the way out going, ha ha, I'm going to do it myself. You're on losers. Yeah. you all have that, that day of leaving don't we? To have to go back cap in hand and say, actually it didn't work. And I have, to, oh, so I just really have a passion for that. And I think actually I've just realized that's why most of my clients tend to be women. Funny enough. And I think that may be why, because maybe in my head, I'm trying to support people who, you know, have got more at stake. History doesn't repeat itself. Most female business owners have got more at stake because the reality is women have always been held to a higher standard, to a higher bar. And for for a woman to compete with a man in business, typically they have to work harder. And that's why we still have unequal pay. I mean, it's Mm. mad. You'd have two people doing the same job and you'd have different pay. I mean, it's, it's like Victorian, isn't it? So it, it, I just it, think that's where it all comes from.
0: I applaud what you're doing there, and and I would say, I would add, actually, that the fear of speaking out so that you're not a secret is often that you can feel way too salesy. So yes, make sure you find your voice. Get help finding that voice. Definitely. Reach out to somebody that you would trust to tell you honestly how it works already in reality for everybody else and then adopt what's going to work best for you because
1: we're all unique. Yeah, and it comes down to being coachable. Open your ears, stop talking, listen to somebody you trust who knows what they're talking about because anything else is suboptimal. If you listen to people you don't trust or if you listen to people who don't know what they're talking about, suboptimal. And if, you don't, and if you're not listening to anyone, that's even worse. You're just yes. in the echo chamber and you won't find out until it's too late. And, you know, marketing is long-term. So you don't want to find out that your marketing was broken six months ago because it's six months into that dive off of the cliff. I would say to people, the best time to do marketing is now because, you know, mm-hmm. when you don't need it, that's the best time to sow seeds. best time to have someone go fishing for you, Wendy, is when there's plenty of fish on the table and you're not desperate for more fish. Because yeah. that way you can be picky, can't you? You yeah. can be more selective about fishing you're doing. They can be more selective about the clients they're taking on. Everyone wins.
0: I'll, I'll leave it on that note. Let's have a lazy day and go fishing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the sound of that. Uh, it will be lazy-ish. <laughs> and There might be some fishing in a metaphorical sense, but uh, <laughs> yes, sadly not real fishing on a riverbank. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? What's the best
0: way for them to carry on the conversation? Because that's all that we're about is if something's resonated and they've got a question that they should be able to reach out to you, where's the best place for them to find you?
1: If they type Al Tepper into Google, I pretty much have every link on the first page. Obviously, LinkedIn for me is the best place. So If you search for Al Tepper on LinkedIn, you'll find me. You'll see this face sat at this computer. If you just go to alitabra.com, you'll find it. Brilliant.
0: And we'll pop everything in the show notes. Have you got anything for our listeners to take away?
1: Yeah, I've got a fantastic marketing mastery scorecard. So if you want to find out where your marketing is today, this will help you assess that. It takes about two minutes. And at the end of it, it will give you my mobile number. If you WhatsApp me your score, I'll not only send you a quick win, but I'll work out with you what the marketing opportunity is for you, regardless of whether you work with me or anyone else. At least you'll start to understand how much more value marketing could bring into the business for you. So if you go to com, you'll find it via LinkedIn, or you can just message me and ask me on LinkedIn.
0: Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Al. It's been a real, real pleasure to chat with you
1: today. Likewise. It's been really fun. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for staying tuned with us. This is where I will reveal who we have next time. Well, we're going to be making conversations about cheap thrills and legal pills count. Well, actually, my guest is way more serious than that. And he's going to be explaining how he turned his business into an online business with Amazon. So I should really say we're going to be making conversations about building a business on Amazon Count, We've got Shaheen Cheyenne joining us on the show. The more white space you have in how you design your life, the better decisions you make.